現実的な声さ Um, but before anything else, as usual, when we start the uh, uh, class, then we always like to do that with uh, the Quran. And of course, Sheikh Abdul Afaro is from the best of the recitals of the Quran, Bifadillah. So we're going to ask him to recite uh, some verses that we had a little discussion earlier on on what it should be. And uh, we came to an agreement that it should be the verses on Hajj. Normally, we have different themes. And the reason that we chose Hajj this year is that this is the first time that we have had our restart so close to Hajj. We just literally come back. number of the folks here have just come back from Hajj two, three days ago. Some people are still on Hajj, in fact, and are returning literally today, yesterday, and so on. So we'll just listen to some of the verses before we start our class. Father Sheikh, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. فمن فرض فيهن الحج فلا رفث ولا فسوق ولا جدال في الحج وما تفعلوا من خير يعلمه الله وتزودوا فإن خير الزاد التقوى واتقون يا أولي الألباب ليس عليكم جناح أن تبتغوا فضلا من ربكم فإذا أفضتم من عرفات فاذكروا الله عند المشعر الحرام واذكروه كما هداكم وإن كنتم من قبله لمن الضالين ثم أفيضوا من حيث أفاض الناس واستغفروا الله إن الله غفور رحيم فإذا قضيتم مناسككم فاذكروا الله كذكركم آباءكم أو أشد ذكرا فمن الناس من يقول ربنا آتنا في الدنيا وما له في الآخرة من خلاق ومنهم من يقول ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار أولئك لهم نصيب مما كسبوا والله سريع الحساب واذكروا الله في أيام معدودات 
فمن تعجل في يومين فلا إثم عليه ومن تأخر فلا إثم عليه لمن اتقى واتقوا الله واعلموا أنكم إليه تحشرون جزاك الله خير بارك الله فيك أقرأك الله يا شيخي الله يحفظك Okay, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah. So those are some of the verses from Surah Al-Baqarah on the Hajj. And, uh, you know, Bifadlillah, this is something which is important. I mean, obviously, we're not going to see Hajj in this class for another 20 years, obviously, right? I mean, we just reached the Book of Prayer, what, year six? So we'll have to be patient. But obviously, people still need to go Hajj. And uh, Alhamdulillah, we're joined by a number of the folks that was with me uh, on Hajj this year. And it was it was a great success, Bifadlillah. Um Iranians came back, that was a low point, but you know, um, uh, we got over that. They were under manners, Yani. They were all right. Yeah, to be honest, we didn't even notice them. There was actually 500,000 extra uh, people uh, this year. There was 1.8 million last year. You know, when you, um, when you, now what happens is that when you go to Hajj or Umrah or Saudi, just generally, they've changed the entire system with respect to registering for a SIM. So uh, you have to, you know, give your ID and so on. And the reason for that is so that they can actually send, well, one of the reasons, other than complete conspiracy theories, but one of the normal Yanni reasons is to just send you messages, you know, to come out this time, don't come out this time, do this, don't do that, whatever. Completely pointless updates because no one listens to them anyway. And the fact that they're all in Arabic and most folks don't read Arabic anyway. But, um, and obviously, you know, with iPhone, if they send you the number from the last year and they send a text message, it updates it, you know, in the same uh, thread. You can see the previous message as well. So I noticed that when they sent it this year, the stats, last year's were there. And it said 1.8 something million were there last year. And this year, 2.3, I believe. So an increase of 500,000. And you're probably adding, what, another 500, maybe a million from undocumented, you know, people who are blagging it, whatever. Yeah, I mean, at least, at least 50,000 from packs from the UK who blagged it. I don't know how many people were calling me, see if you can blag this, blag that. So, I mean, you know, add all the rest of the packs from the world. I'm sure there was another million. But yeah, it, was, it was very smooth, alhamdulillah. And I just want to say that, obviously, a lot of the folks who come uh, to the Hajj with, uh, with myself, uh, they are LP students. And I want to say that there is going to be, uh, it's going to be, again, this year, about 50, 60 missed out. And this year, it's clear, it's going to be a bit busier as well. So what we're going to try and do, inshallah, this has just been decided today, is that the uh, for booking your place for next year, um, next year, of course, the big thing is that it's going to be right in the middle of the school holidays. Yeah? Uh, uh, you'll be able to literally go and come back while still in the summer school holidays which is going to make it even busier. So especially the LP students, because that's why I prefer to come on the trip, because we, we, do, we do a lot of study every day, you know, standard kind of LP style. Uh, in October, that uh, thing is going to open, and someone just has to remind me, and I will tell you what to do if you're an LP student to book your place. So make sure that, uh, uh, you know, someone reminds me um, in a few weeks' time. Um, so as uh, you folks know, um, the students who are already well-versed uh, with LP you know that the first lesson is kind of like, you know, a bit of an anyway kind of lesson for your Pax and Punjabi lot, right? So uh, while we uh, encourage and uh, welcome all our new students, and we always have a good intake every single year for all of them then to later then tail off and, you know, but that's standard. And um, uh, we need to obviously make them feel welcome and make them at, at ease. Um, but before I do that, I wanted to 
congratulate, of course, our exam uh, intake and the folks who uh, took it and they showed their commitment by taking it and also the great results. And alhamdulillah, uh, uh, Sister Ruhi, we know she's like, you know, smashes it every single year. That's getting a bit boring now. But she got top mark again, a US uh, number one. But also, alhamdulillah, we had another, we had uh, someone at the top join at the top with from UK. And she was with Umrah. She was in Umrah with us. And I met her whole family, subhanAllah. When I was just in London, I met her father and her other sister as well. And uh, this is Saima and Sabah. Sabah did very well. She became top as well. UK, US dominated. I wrote a few like yani, useful things. We've got six places in the top ten that go to UK. These are completely, obviously, uh, patriotic yani, uh, stats that I want to just do. It was a US two and three, though. All right? But depending upon how you read it, it's a US one and two because it's a joint. If, it's, if there's two at the top, yeah, and one of those is an American, and then the next person is an American. Do we say the Americans took two and three or, four, or one and two? Do you get what I'm saying? We've got to be very careful here, you know what I'm saying? Because if you say they took one and two, then Americans come off a lot better than they deserve. But there's no, but, two. Huh? There's no two. No, no, there is a two because there's two for the one. It's a joint first, yeah? Yeah. If it's a joint first, there's no two, there's a third. No, no, but there's like hundreds of people who took the exam. It's not like out of three people, it's not only two people. <laughs> Like, they're still both first. They're still both first. Yes. And then it goes to three. No, no. No. Hello. Hello. If there's like 500 people, yeah, and they've got marks from ranging from 99% to 50%, then you're going to have joint first, joint second, joint third. You can't have any, you know. All right. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. So my point is, is that if you are second. Oh, my God. Sometimes, yeah. If you've got two people first, yeah. there's no set, there's third, it goes to joints first, and then third. Okay, if everyone, wait one second. If there's 20 people who got the same mark, then they're all joint first? It doesn't no, after the first mark. Then they're all joint second. They're, they're all joint second. And then they're all joint, that's my point. Oh my god, I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. You guys are a complete waste of my time, okay? So, anyway. Anyway, I want to say Ruhi and Tahani, okay, they did really well. Tahani is always on the forum. I'm very proud of her. And Dina from Jordan, she always does well. She was there. Canada did really good as well. They got a number of marks in the, in, I think Usman completely yani, flunked it. Um, and unfortunately, sad to say, the girls dominated again big time. The top 20 is just pure girls. I was on an airplane. You was an airplane, yeah? <laughs> By the way, the, 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 the deferred one is this weekend, okay? No, no, sorry, not this weekend, next weekend. <laughs> next weekend, sorry, not this weekend, next weekend. <laughs> That's when the boys will be taking. <laughs> That's when the boys are going to make their big comeback, yeah. So, but anyway, I want to shout out Imran Siddiq and uh, Taymur Khan from London. He's from uh, Qabila uh, Shams in London. Uh, so at least they held up the boys' side. But that's the only two voices that we've got in like fifteen Ma- males. No, no, Taymur. I didn't say Sadiq, man. I said Imran Siddiq and Taymur Khan. Come on, man. Right. Okay. So that's <laughs> that's the folks, Yani, from uh, last year. So. Um, with respect to this year, the number one question on everyone's lips is that, you know, I'm too late, what do I do, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, you guys are bored of that question because you know what the answer to that is. But just for the sake of all the new students, I want you to uh, know, if you're watching this on Facebook, then obviously you're not accessing the portal. The portal is free, all right? There's no cost. There's nothing here of any cost. Uh, it's all supported by Maghrib. It's all, yani, they're part of their long-term long, long uh, term, 
I'm about to say long distance, but it feels like long distance sometimes, marathon proper. But it's a long-term study program. Okay, it's one lesson a week for eight months of the year. That's our academic year. We start now, we'll end at Ramadan. And every single thing that we've covered in those five years is on the portal. So every single lesson transcribed, every single word. And then we have every single audio as a podcast, and we have every single video of the lesson. It's all there. But obviously people are saying, I don't have time to watch all of that. And so for that reason, then every year has a review session, a review session that summarizes the year, as well as documents like this one here that I'm holding, which Shaz put on the uh, uh, Facebook, uh, my, my Facebook page. So just type, uh, you, you can comment on, my, on the page. Right. Yeah, so comment on the page, and so put it on the, the portal, the PDF, okay. a link, and then put the port, put the uh, link on the Facebook page as well, and that will open this document here, and that is a currently an eleven-page summary of the last five years, and it's just straight fact, statement, 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 statement. This is a fiqh class, of course. All right, this is a class on Islamic law that is starting from the beginning and going all the way. It's a very long text, but its text is, is meant to be explained. That's what this class is. It's, it's explaining the text and, and talking about everything possible around it as well. But when it comes to just the bare text and what we've taught in this class, it's actually summarized in these 11 pages. And as a gift to every new person, I'm going to cover this in the next hour in a sick fashion. You're going to be bamboozled how I'm going to do that. So I'm going to basically do five years, right? Okay, with that's literally having kittens right now because she's saying, hold on, you said we're not going to do that and you said you're going to do two years, but you know me, I don't like playing around. You know what I'm saying? So why do two years when you can do five? So we're going to do all five. We're going to cover all of everything. I'm going to show you that there is a very quick way to study fiqh and a very detailed way. The crazy thing is, is that when we go through this and finish in an hour's time, inshallah, then you think, subhanallah, why would I, would I study that for five years? Okay? <laughs> right? And that is what many of you will be thinking. And that is when you realize that actually the majority of the students that are studying logical progression are not just yani, old men retired, yani, just chilling, got nothing better to do, you know, gone to hajj, they know how to wait and whatever, and so they're, they're quite comfortable with that idea. They are actually people who want to study these matters in detail properly. And of course, I want to remind myself and everyone that studying knowledge properly and deeply is from the greatest of acts of worship. It is absolute pure ibadah and something which is enjoyable and is something which is easy as well going into more detail and understanding the roots properly and of course if you think that this is what we studied in five years then you're sillier than i thought okay this is a summary of the statements with that rough pages transcribed notes 2500 pages of text is what we have produced just in those five years so this 11 pages is a condensed form of 2,500 pages. So this knowledge is all mubarak. Yani whether you go into the detail, whether you keep it general, whether you get what you want or you don't get what you want, it's a system. And you play by the system. You don't want to play by the system, then it's not a logical progression, is it? Okay? Then it's just a irregular regression, I think. Something like that. So anyway, uh, what I want to do then is to uh, literally... Uh, I don't want to go, you've seen the link now, it's in, on the portal, and it's also on the Facebook page as well, and for you folks here, it's on the screen, okay, and if you can't see the screen, then just position yourself so that you can see the screen, everyone's got the link now, yeah? Everyone's got the link, you want to put, put it on the screen, or? The, the, this thing here? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, it's on the screen, isn't it? Uh, well, no, on the oh, no, no, put that on the screen, we don't want to see me for on the screen, you can see me, yeah, we'll, we'll stick this on the screen. And uh, I don't want to cover every single point. I ain't got the time for that. And I'm summarizing, so recognize that. And anything that sounds confusing for you, okay, anything that you think, hold on, what's that about? Then that is there. Then that is a, a prompt for you to find that particular lesson and so on. By the way, if you're worried and scared by the... I think Zaf, give a hand, yeah? Um, uh, if you're worried about the uh, 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 portal, 
then it's really easy. Nadif has made a video. So when you go to the press, if you are on the portal, you press dashboard, um, which is at the top. Okay, then you will see the the actual kind of main home page of the class. Then, huh? You can show them as well. Okay, if you're watching, uh, but the Facebook live people will see that as well, will they? Oh, okay, go on. Then show them then. Yeah. So, um, uh, if you look on the screen right now, that's the home page, and then you can see at the bottom right hand corner there's a video which says portal walkthrough or something. Yeah. Yeah. And if you click on that, it will give you an introduction of basically how the portal works, where you, know, you go for the lesson, where you go for the notes, where the videos are, where the podcasts are, where the transcribed notes are, where the summaries are, where the previous lesson is, what happens when you come on, the timer, why is the timer there? If you access the portal at any time, the recording is always available, and so on, so on. So it literally could not be made easier for you. Literally, 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 we've, made, we've genuinely made people completely lazy with this class, okay? And, uh, you know, Allah Musta'an. But, yani, that's, that, that's the class. It's really easy to use. And uh, the portal is really easy to, to, to use, sorry. And the class makes that um, and facilitates that. Anyway, so that's the portal. Don't need to worry about anything. All the notes are there. Anything you're not sure about. And you can ask questions. And when I get time, I will answer the questions inside the portal as well. Not on Facebook page. That's not for questions. Facebook is for chilling and for dissing people and for making fun of Yasmin Mujahid. That's the only thing that yani, Facebook is for. Right, so um, we start, if you've got that, the document, bring up document, Shaz, first page, okay? Logical progression started five years ago, all right, with types of water. In my thinking, why, you know, water and all that time ago and so much time invested? And it's quite simple, you know why? Because the most Important, the single greatest, most important thing in your life. Every single individual that's sitting here watching this, Muslim and the non-Muslims when they realize it, okay, is to thank the creator that gave them the opportunity to have that life. That's the single most important thing in your life. Your single objective. Everything else is secondary. And I repeat that again to make it clear. The single most important thing in your life is to thank your creator for blessing you with that life. Whether you realize its value, whether you realize yani, as a Muslim or not Muslim who that creator is or isn't, but people have to be grateful. And when you are grateful in a state of shukr, then you save yourself from its dictionary opposite. What do they call it in English? The opposite word? Antonym. antonym. The antonym of shukr is kufr. The antonym of kufr is shukr. So a person is in shukr, he can't be in kufr. That's the simple yani, uh, uh, fact. The person who is a kafir is by definition the ungrateful one. It's the one who hides. Yani, li- linguistically, when we, co- when we do uh, the class fitna, the tafsir Surah al-Imran, which by the way is coming to a lot of cities in the next few months, so keep an eye out for that on almaghrib.org, okay? A lot of cities. When we uh, talk about the, the concept of kufr, okay, it is about covering. A uh, yani the 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 kufurra, the kufurra is physically a cover. You know, I, I still haven't found what the English word for this is. But you know, when you see the, the, your councils plant trees and they're young saplings, yep. And what they do is they put a sheath around it. A sheath, isn't it? Yeah, they put a sheath around the trunk and then they put a barbed wire little thing. You know what I mean? Around that, and that's because that's the most vulnerable part. Okay, and they're covering it. That that's called the kufurra. And from the word kafara, to cover. And the word, and, and why is it, uh, the kafir is always covering. And that's why the, the farmer is also a, a kafir, 
all right, linguistically, because he takes the seed and he covers it. And he, you know, so they, they, put the seed, they cover it, they cover it. You've got to cover it to allow it to be warm enough to grow, otherwise it doesn't. So this form of covering is like when someone covers something that they should be uncovering. You know, when a person is ungrateful, instead of being open and thankful about it, they try to cover up that someone's done some ihsan towards them. So they try to ignore it, they try to blag it. Okay, this is where the idea comes from, of covering, hiding something. So yani, it is complete ingratitude to ignore the most obvious fact in the world, which is that you owe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every single thanks possible. So I, everyone gets that here. But you just need to articulate it sometimes. And I tell you that the only way to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like He wants you to thank Him is through the act of salah. It is the greatest expression of thanks. Because the greatest statement of thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not thank you. We don't have in the sharia Thank you, Allah, or thank you, God. You know, like the Christians say, thank you, my Lord, and whatever. That doesn't exist in Islam, or in Arabic, in fact. We thank Allah with hamd. Allahumma lakal hamd. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. So, alhamd, the, the, the concept of praise is how we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is no act of worship that combines so much linguistic or verbal expressions of praise like Surah Al-Fatiha, like the prayer itself. And therefore, we know that the prayer, not just in statement, but also in action is the perfect expression of thanks and gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is the most important thing in your life. Therefore, prayer is the most important thing in your life. Therefore, we need to ask ourselves, if prayer is the most important thing in our life, how do we establish it? And how much detail do we need to go into? And that is where we have two big sections. All right? Which is what has taken five years and will take even more before we actually physically get to what you think is the prayer, which is where do my hands go? What do I do with my finger? Do I raise hands or not? You know, when I'm going for takbir. That's what you guys think is the prayer. Actually, five years is taken just to get to the prayer and its initial stages because it, is fit, it fits into two parts. One, if the prayer is the most important thing we have to do in the world, we, know, we need to know then what's needed to get the prayer done. It has preconditions. We realize that the clothes have to be right, that our internal state has to be right, that the area has to be right, that the conditions around have to be right. So that means purity. That means conditions of the shurut, of the, uh, of the qibla, of, the, of the, uh, uh, the nature of what you're wearing, and is it covering what needs to be covered, and is it pure or impure, etc. So it's the first part. And the second part then, which is going to be something we started already last year and will be a dominant feature this year, is the actual manner of the prayer. It's not good enough, again, just to have a Christian approach and we just, you know, put our hands together and we just, you know, let's all pray together. And no one knows what's happening and everyone just closes their eyes and just, you know, makes it up as they go along. The Prophet ﷺ said, He very, made it very, 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 very clear that this is not just a spiritual, holistic dimension, but very much a legal dimension as well. This is a faith which is very technical and proudly so. So you do need to understand why praying like this is correct and why this like this is not and why these details matter. And it's a huge chapter. Every single yani, day there is some legal matter that affects us with respect to the prayer. Have I been able to get it and done in the right time? Is standing yani, required in this position here? If I lose my clothes, for example, some accident occurs, do I stand or do I, expo- do I, do I stand in to maintain the, ob- the important obligation of qiyam, uh, standing, or do I uh, sit down to cover my private parts, etc., etc.? There's so much yani, detail. And then the actual physical acts as well, yani, in terms of the way that I lift my hands. It doesn't matter if I only, you know, like, like you know, Gulf Arabs do, the lazy you just you know do that little kind of you know bakwas like that right which has no basis for anything or is it like yani the Hanafis one which is that if you're going to make takbir then you're going to do it absolutely properly has to go in one narration uh, to their madhab to their fingers to their ears and so on yani what's the parameters how much leeway, leeway do we have and by the way what parameters should I be following I'm a Hanafi because my parents are Hanafi. Or I'm yani, a Salafi because that's what I picked up at university. Or I'm X or I'm Y. 
And in this class, you realize that we don't care what you are or who you are. What we care about is make sure we follow the scholars. We present to the people what the scholars say from all of the imams. And if you follow a madhab, then that's what you take home. And if you don't follow a madhab, then you take what I tell you to take home. Simple as that. Very simple. This religion is very, very simple. You have someone you trust more than me, I'm going to give you that person's opinion, you go with it. And if you don't have anyone that you trust, and you're confused by the whole thing, and you don't know your identity, which is the vast majority of Muslims today, don't let anyone tell you any different, okay? This idea that I was born into this, I was born into that, no one follows their parents anymore, no one follows their culture anymore. It's just a catchphrase that they think they believe in, but they don't. They know they don't. So... The truth is, people are following the, those people that they trust, they meet, they study, and most, most of all, the imam of their local masjid, the, yani their, their local source of knowledge. Sometimes the imam of your local masjid is a website. Sometimes it's an online class. Sometimes it's whatever. Fiqh must not be made difficult and complicated. It's very, very simple. Trust yani, your teachers and follow what their, what their opinion is. So that's what the class is. That's what the detail is. But we're going to summarize. And we start with water. And what do we say with water? It is the asal. It is the basic uh, it is the basic substance that purifies. Yes, there's a secondary substance, which is earth, okay, or dust in an extreme circumstance. Yani, but earth is the secondary source and it is halal and tayyib, it is pure and it is permissible. But water is the blessed uh, form of purificatory substance. And water can take two uh, positions. It can either be filthy or it can be purifying. There are scholars that said that there's a third stage where it's just pure but it's not purifying. We do not accept that. As a, as a majority position of the scholars, we say there's only two types. Either it's filthy or it's not. The concept of filth is very important for you to understand. Because you have physical filth and you have ritual filth. So physical filth is what you know, urine and feces and so on and so forth. And if that's on your skin or whatever, then that's something that has to be removed at all costs. But even if you have got rid of all of physical filth, then there's something else which is called ritual filth. So for example, dirt is not filth. Najasa is the operative word. And dirt is dirt. Okay? Grease is dirt. Mud is dirt. I don't know, tomato ketchup stains, whatever stain on your skin, your clothes, that's dirt. It's not filth. And that's a very important yani, concept to, to recognize. So when you make wudu and you purify yourself and you make ablution, the function is not to make you clean from dirt. It's to clean you from filth, najasa, and ritual filth, a ritual impure state. And that ritual impure state is called hadith. All right? So if you are in a state of hadith, that means you are in a state of ritual impurity. And you can be in two states of ritual impurity, either a minor or a major state of ritual impurity. Minor is if you, for example, pass wind, or go to sleep and wake up, or go to the toilet. This is a minor state of ritual impurity, which is fixed very easily by cleaning the private parts or by washing your limbs called ablution. That one's called istinja, when you use water to clean your private parts. And if you use the toilet paper or stones, then that's called istijmar. Okay, that using something other than water to clean your private parts. And it is sufficient, by the way, you will learn, or when you go and study in detail, but for the class now, it is sufficient to cleanse yourself back and front with tissue paper alone without even going near water. Even though, of course, we all feel better and more complete with water, and that's fine. Okay, I was a big shout. Pax are literally in an epileptic fit right now. You're thinking, oh my God, oh my God. It's okay, you can chill. That's something which was a sunnah of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. In, actually, in actual fact, as we saw, a majority of the companions would prefer istijmar, dry cleaning, if you like, using any a clod or a stone or whatever over water. Okay, but we know that water obviously is something which is a blessing, and if you have it, then we use it. So this is istinja, and then you have ablution and so on. Now, quickly, just to go through this hadith, as I said, 
uh, is a state, minor state, and a major state. The major state of hadith happens if you have marital relations, okay? You are, or you have a wet dream, etc. Then to lift that major state of ritual impurity, it's not something you physically can see. By the way, just so that you know that just because this person has a wet dream and they have sperm, for example, sperm, ironically, is completely pure. As a substance, it's pure. Meaning, theoretically, if a person had sperm on their hands, it would not affect their prayer at all. Just so that you appreciate just how technical this issue can be. However, the act of the sperm coming out or the sexual fluids for the female, male, female, it doesn't matter. That it, that's what causes a large or major ritual state of impurity, which can only be fixed by a ghusl, what you call a bath. Okay, And a bath has conditions which we'll quickly run through as well. So that's a major state, a minor state. And these are internal states, because on the outside you could be you know, smelling as fresh as roses. Yani. You could be you know, perfect. But these are internal states of impurity. And now you know the difference between a physical impurity, najasa, and an internal ritual state called hadath. So filth can be removed using anything. And hadith is used by water, uh, is removed by water or dirt, either by wudu, by tayammum, or by ghusl. That's how the uh, hadith is re- removed, the internal ritual state. As for the physical najasa, anything that removes it works. So you might be thinking, you, ha- you have to use water. No, it doesn't. For example, you know that feces, for example, which is an obvious, easy, impure substance, sometimes it can get very hard. Very, very hard and very, very dry. It is possible for a person whatever the scenario is, that they, it could fall on his hand and then fall straight off, nothing needs to happen. Because unless wetness, moisture is there and it leaves a residue on your skin, then we don't have a major problem. But if it's so dry that it just falls off, then you don't need to actually use water. You could use a stick and scrape things away. So I just want you to understand that physical najasa does not require some special way of getting of, to be got rid of. Except when it's wet and except when it's a special circumstance. One special circumstance... Dog saliva. The saliva of a dog, according to the majority of the companions, requires a very specific procedure of being washed seven times and then one, or including one, that which is using earth. And there are some scientific reasons for that, whatever, but we're talking about the hadith. That earth is somehow neutralizing something in that, that saliva and the water then is ensuring that it completely then gets uh, 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 rubbed away. Anyway, so that's the first uh, column. The second column talks about water. And water, basically, all water is fine to use. Don't take water too seriously if it's discolored or this or that. Water only becomes impermissible to use for wudu and ghusl when its complete nature is changed. And its nature, it doesn't matter if it's a small amount or a large amount, it gets changed when its smell has changed and its taste has changed and its appearance has changed and it now can no longer be called water. However, if there are things in water, it's still water with things in it. So when you've got leaves and you've got dirt and you've got moss and you've got you know, things floating around and whatever, whatnot. This is water that has things in it. It's not dirty water. It might even be dirty water. But dirty water, according to your sensitivities and sensibilities, does not disqualify it from being used to actually purify yourself. Make sense? Okay. Then um, the issue of uh, uh, water, if there's doubt. If there is doubt over the purity of water, uh, yani you're not sure whether it's filthy or not, you have to go by your best guess. And if it is absolutely uh, yani, uh, above, and best guess means 51% or more. After 51% or more, this is basically enough yani, for you to go ahead with it. So if you think that there's a, a greater probability that it is pure, it must be used. But if you're in doubt, 50-50, about a state of water, then you have the permission then to move on to Tayammu. Let's quickly just talk about things that are used to give you water, okay? 
um, implements and utensils. It is permissible to use any kind of utensil to make your wudu from. We only use obviously taps and it's coming straight out. But imagine you've got gold and silver, uh, uh, gold and silver, uh, uh, you know, cups or whatever. Then that is what is uh, under the, the discussion and that is something which is permissible to use for wudu. However, to eat and drink from and with, impermissible. Okay, male and females, it doesn't matter. Even though gold and silver is, is permissible for a female to wear and silver for the male, the, the man is not allowed to wear gold or to use gold in a cosmetic fashion. However, use it for medicinal purpose, that's something which is permissible. However, to eat from and drink from and eat from, impermissible, both for females and males. Um, Non-Muslim uh, dishes, you know, as packs, we have that nafrat, yani, that, you know, we don't want to go near, anywhere near anything that has been touched by, you know, non-Muslim. And... You know, I get that. I'm sympathetic to it. Might even join you in that once, in a, once or twice in a, you know, in a lifetime. However, facts are that just being a non-Muslim uh, you know, dish means nothing. Maybe they wash it better than you anyway. Okay? Maybe they're dishwashers and maybe they're... Yani, you know. To be honest, we are far more tired with fairy liquid than they are. Right? I mean, only when you go to see a pack house do they actually, you know, they keep the fairy liquid on the scrounger and they keep it to the side. Which is a pure pack thing to do. Put water in it. Put water <laughs> or, or dilute it. You know what I'm saying? Which, yeah, which insan does that. But obviously, us lot, because we're packs. Yeah? But the gori don't. So at least we know that when they wash the dishes, it's a lot cleaner than our washing. So that's a lesson anyway for people who are trying to make it out like they're some kind of filth, whatever. Anyway. Um, and then we move on to skin. And skin basically has a basic principle. Um, uh, if, if the skin of an animal... We're talking about animal skin here, tanning, the process of, uh, and tanning is a huge, long process of soaking it and beating it and dyeing it and year and war, whatever. Go back to the notes to find the details. And we went proper to town on, the, on that. So you've got lots of diagrams and lots of detail. Um, it's a basic uh, 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 rule as written here. It is impermissible to use um, and is impure if the animal which, when it was alive, was impermissible to eat, then that skin becomes, yani, you know, impermissible to use. Whatever you do to it. Simply put, a pig, a dog, whatever. So a pig and a dog is impermissible to eat. Unless you're Chinese, then obviously you eat bloody anything. Yeah, but us Muslims, we don't eat dogs, we don't eat pigs, we don't eat anything like that. And so even if we get their skin, and you do what you want to it, okay? You do what you want to that skin, it's not going to become pure. All right? Whereas an animal that can be eaten whilst you whilst it is alive okay its skin can then become permissible to use in clothing and so on and so forth okay even if it was not you know it doesn't matter that the animal became was you know zabah it was halal properly or not it's the skin that we're talking about uh, here and um, also milk obviously is permissible or great and hair and everything but these come from living animals a dead animal, all of it becomes impure. So the meat is impermissible. The milk, if someone was that sick, you need to try and take milk out of a dead cow. I don't know yeah, what happens these days. But then that would be impermissible as well. And anything else that a person would do. Unless that it has been halal. When we, talk, when we say dead, we mean you find it dead. Carrion. That's the definition of carrion. When you find dead meat or you find a dead cow or whatever. Okay? But his hair is something which is permissible. Let's now talk about the genitals. Yeah? Favorite subject, of course. Look at that. Chapter 3. Cleaning the genitals. Well done. Um, so, when you're going into the toilet, some basic adab. Okay, mustahab is a word which talks about recommendation. Okay, so it's recommended whenever you go into the toilet to seek protection because toilet is not a nice place and it's not a clean place. It doesn't matter whether yours is jardawali and you know separated proper. 
okay, or whether it's yani, some place in the, in the, on the edge of Muzdalifa, okay, right? As the Hajjis will know, it doesn't matter. Those areas that you decide to take as a place of toilet is where shayateen and so on, they start to gather, and it's because you're exposed. And actually, when you read this entire summary, and especially if you read the entire chapter, you'll understand that the wording is very much referring to the nature of what you're like. Like if you look at makru, people are looking at that point, that disliked acts. And number one, it says, raising the garment before reaching the ground. And most of you are thinking, what does that even mean? Okay, and what that needs to be read in, in the light of, is that this is an area where you're exposed. And so you need to minimize your exposure. I was watching a video with a cousin of mine yesterday. He visited me from London, hasn't come for a long time, and he hasn't been back to his village. And I was showing him a video of the village that I visited. And I said to him, this village, this, uh, uh, you know, Pati, what do they call Pati? Crop. No, it's not, no, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him. Someone else. But yeah, anyway, uh, what do they call uh, Crops. You know, where you put your, where you grow your stuff. Allotment. Allotment? Your land. I'm talking about your fields. What do you call fields? Fields. Fields. Yeah. What? Keti. Keti, yeah? Like, this is my keti, yeah? Alright. This is my pati, as we call it in Pukhto, yeah? This is my keti. 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 Whatever. Yeah, that one. Yeah? So, I showed him that I had a (coughs) toilet accident in this one right here. And, uh, you know, because he, he hasn't seen his dad for a long time, so I wanted to make it a bit emotional and connect him to it. So, so I said to him, uh, uh, and his dad is in the video. He's, his dad actually is taking me around saying, this is yours, he's my uncle. So he's saying, this is your dad's, this is mine. You know, I'm just I'm trying to understand how much the land I own, because obviously I'm a, I'm a baller, isn't it? I want to know what's going on. So he's saying to me, this is your land, this is your land, this is your land. And obviously my cousin, who's not been back, I said, I said maybe 10, 12 years, you know, standard eagle guy, Abanda, yeah. yeah. He obviously has no idea what's happening. And I'm saying, here, there, this. They missed that bit. They missed that bit, yeah. It doesn't matter, that's okay. As long as the main people do matter, I missed that bit as well. That's the key thing. And so I said to him that, you know that your dad saved me, because I wanted to make that connection. So he goes, how did he, uh, he save you? I said, you see that jadar that your dad's wearing? You know, because Patans, they wear this jadar all the time, isn't it? You know, they cover themselves. I said, you know that chapli kebab that you saw the night before in the video? It didn't go that well the next day. So all of logical progression had to be established the next day. All of istijmar and using clots and using this and using that, whatever. And I said a really important aspect of, of, that, of that day was this specific yani chapter of makru acts. Not speaking, not urinating in a hole, Making sure that the ground is soft. It doesn't say that there, does it? Why have we not got that there? Oh, yes, there, yeah, in the mustahab, yeah, in the other thingy. Being concealed, urinating on soft ground, and moving to another place if soiling oneself is thingy. I'm just saying that I had about like, literally two minutes to prepare all of that in the middle of a field. Yes? All of these, yeah, I need two columns, and I want to say I smashed it. But I had to get some help. I had to use my man's jadr, and I had to put it around me. You know, like a haram. But like a big, like I had to create a tent scenario. You know what I'm saying? So if you can create a tent scenario using a chadar and just yani, you know, cover your ground and then do all that behavior whilst yani, doing that, that is, first of all, amazing skill. And I'm, I, I'm grateful that you're appreciating that. Azakallah, Rajman. No Imodium, bro. You know, we own a Torah, bro. We don't believe in... Imodium, by the way, is the most evil drug on this planet. How much time do we have, by the way? Well, Imodium is the most evil drug on this planet, and I'm telling you as, a, as the only medic that matters. 
That's the only doctor that matters because don't ever listen to GPs. They don't care for you at all. They just want you out, okay? So let me tell you an invested doctor. I'm an invested doctor, okay? Invested in your health and mental health and emotional well-being. Do not take Imodium, all right? Imodium, whatever bakwas you've got in your stomach that's making you ill, Imodium is keeping it there. You want to get rid of that stuff. You want to get rid of it, keep drinking, keep taking honey, keep taking every laxative on the planet, and you want just, just camp near a toilet and stay there, right off those one, two days, and you get that bakwas out of your stomach. Alright? So just remember that for the, for the future. So yes, I didn't take Imodium with me, and I just want to say the field is my, is my domain, and I just want to say that I am a person. See, people might say this stuff is irrelevant. I'll say, but no. You've not been back to the village, you've not travelled. Go and travel the world and you'll make this relevant. We will, we will bring this knowledge to life. Wallah, I'm not even making that up. I establish all of these things. I'm not just saying that, Zafar. Yeah, yeah, okay. As long as just, in, just in case, isn't it? Yeah? Just in case. So, when you go into the toilet or the area, you will say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubath wal-khaba'ith, which is the translation of that dua. When you come out, you will come out left foot, yani with the right foot, and you will say ghufranik. If you're entering into a closed toilet, you will enter into a left foot. Left foot always seen as negative, bad, and uh, uh, entering into a bad area and always when you come out to a good area it's the right foot so that's why coming into the masjid is right foot coming out of the masjid is a left foot and so on and so forth yeah? so you understand that, that, that uh, uh, principle and there are certain things that the scholars used to mention about how you must sit and how you must clean yourself and how you must yani, for example for males you have to squeeze your penis and so on and so forth and this has no basis from the Quran and Sunnah this is just the yani, position of fuqaha and we have mentioned those three things in the text to debunk those theories that you do not need to go through that kind of of detail. Everything that you see in the makru acts is there to follow the sunnah in a general way. Right hand is what is used yani, to get things, not to clean yourself. Left hand is what you use, tissue paper, stones or anything like that. Okay? Um, likewise, when it comes to direction, if you are in an enclosed toilet, direction is not so much of an issue. But when you are in the open, it is not permissible for you to be urinating and so on in the direction of the qibla or to be uh, giving your direct back even also to the qibla. It's the same thing, whether front or back, it's the same thing. Unless you are forced to or you don't know, it's something which you're not yani, uh, uh, sure about, you try your best and then that's something else. And in terms of what you can use to get rid of the dirt, istijmar, as I said, is the phrase which covers uh, physical objects. So stones and uh, clods of earth and clay and soft stuff like wipes and uh, tissue paper and so on and so forth. As long as it's not one of those things in that list, such as food or such as bones, okay, actual bones, animal bones and, and dung, then it's something which is quite uh, permissible okay, to use that. Then the next thing is going into the issue of wudu, is to talk about the actions of wudu and then talk about the importance of cleaning our teeth. So when it comes to ablution, which is the word for wudu, it is sunnah to say bismillah, all right? Uh, before one starts. This is not the case um, uh, obligatorily with ghusl and tayammum, but it's something which you can do as well. And then it is the cleaning of the mouth. And the cleaning of the mouth can be done in any way. So just to save you reading a lot of detail, the siwak is the toothbrush, which the toothstick which comes from the arak tree, and it has a special uh, uh, nature to it. We don't know what it is. Well, they've done some studies. I don't know whether yani, it's as good as people make it out to be because certainly it is permissible to use your favorite toothbrush or even to use cleaning cloths 
or to use floss, whatever it is, but getting the mouth fresh. And even, for example, if you use mouthwash, I'm happy with that as well. The point is it's sunnah to keep your mouth clean at all times, and especially in wudu and especially before prayer. And then we've seen that to wash the hands three times is a sunnah, but not obligatory. The only time to wash the hands at the beginning of wudu is obligatory is if you go into such a deep sleep that you don't know what happened. Now, why, why is it obligatory then? Because you don't know what happened to your hands and touching your private parts and filth and so on and so forth. And for that reason, it becomes obligatory then to wash your hands. Does it become obligatory if you make wudu from a tap? We had a big discussion of this, anyone can remember. And we said that if the tap is flowing, then there's no real reason then for it to become obligatory because you're not going to then make your hands or anything else or the utensil dirty. However, in principle, it's good to wash your hands at the beginning of wudu. And then by rinsing the mouth and the nose, it is good to go as far as possible. So you know when you see your dad and you do that whole behavior, you know, proper desi dad, I mean, you know, when he puts water in and he sniffs it right up so it comes literally out of his eyes and then he puts it into his mouth and he goes each time, you know, hardcore and looks like he spits his guts out. You know, proper desi, proper wudu. This is actually, actually a sunnah. Okay? Not necessarily to say to go to that level, but to be as exaggerated as you can safely. This is a good thing. Alright? But is it obligatory? The answer is no. In actual fact, I'm going to say to you that in my opinion, to even clean the inside of the nose and the mouth is not obligatory in wudu either. So there we're going for a detailed version of wudu. But the, de- but the obligations of wudu, meaning yani, when we cut it short, you'll see in a, a few minutes. From other sun- sunnah, of course, you wash your face, you wash your, your hands as well to the arms. But when you're washing your face, you have a beard. It's a sunnah to go through the beard with your fingers. The key is to make sure that the skin beneath the beard is wet. That's why it's sunnah to go through it. It's also sunnah to go through the fingers when you're washing your hands at any stage, as well as your your. Uh, toes as well and when you do that the, le- the left finger is the best to use so this is just yani, emphasizing the cleanliness and making sure that you are not missing anything and to wash a second time and a third time is also sunnah as well even though it's sufficient to wash just once circumcision uh, obligation upon males for females that's cricket so you can hear and that's me not in jail okay so shaving the head when it comes to cricketing when it comes to cricketing I've got cricket on my mind Crickets. By the way, you know, we should have won today's game. I don't know if anyone saw it today. We should have won the cricket today, you know that. Yeah? We just literally gave, I think, to be honest. Oh, the last one interesting. Huh? Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, Yara. They've taken some pesa to make the last one interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Allah, yeah. but that's, 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 that's my thing. Anyway, now hairstyles and haircuts. Okay, it's impermissible to shave the hair and leave part. You know, like some kind of, you know, you know. <coughs> You might just take the thing and just cut this part and then leave the rest. You know, just look like an idiot, basically, right? That's something that's completely impermissible, all right? You're just messing around with yourself. And it also is impermissible to shave your hair and leave hair when it's yani, like uh, a, a religious kind of thing. Like uh, monks, you know, they, they shave all their hair and they leave like, you know, like, like a... Like a uh, is it they shave this part? All right, they shave the top part and leave the side part or something. And some of them shave everything off and leave a little ponytail or some bakwas like that. All of that is haram, okay? Because you're copying a religious order. And the only other time it becomes haram to mess around with your hair in that sense is if you are so, you know, and you look at Aguero and you say, this guy is the light of my life and the love of my world and the only thing that I live and die for and I want to cut, cut my hair like his. Then that becomes impermissible because that's a level of you know, copying which is too much. However, just cutting your hair... Yani, you know, shave one or shave zero around the side and leaving hair at the top. This is disliked, but it's not haram. Obviously, you know, this is the new style and this is what Ronaldo does and this is what Fulan does. And this is, that's just yani, silly behavior. It's pathetic, but it's not haram. 
Yeah, you just look an idiot, but it's not something which you say is sinful, it's haram, it's that, whatever. Normal, yani, tamiz, hairstyle, basic, yani, you know, normal good cut, short back and sides, whatever, that's okay. But when you start doing that, we're not going to say it's haram. Haram only when you are following a religious kind of cult or giving it some kind of religious significance or some level of devotion which is beyond normal. That's when it becomes haram. So therefore, I want you to know that the silly haircuts that you see amongst kids and young people these days, and obviously if older people do it, it's even more sillier. That's just silly. It's just makru. It's disliked. It's not haram. Is that clear, everybody? All right. And then um, I mentioned that the siwak is something which is a sunnah. It's good to do yani, uh, uh, prayer. It's okay when it's fasting as well. Some people didn't like it during fasting. Not a problem. It's sunnah in fasting as well. Now, when it comes to wudu, the most important thing is to make the intention on the next page. Make the intention, then to say bismillah. And the intention is not a verbal one. It's something that you just say, I'm about to make wudu. And that's important because maybe you come in and it's very hot day and you're sweating and whatever. You just want to cool down. And then you're halfway through and then you say, you know what? I've got my hands and face wet. And that's when you know your wudu is invalid. Because the intention has to be right at the beginning. So when you come to that sink and you're boiling, instead of making the intention, I just want to cool down, cool down. Say, I want to make wudu. Now I want to also cool down. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's a very subtle point, but an important one. Because people do do that. You know, they come home and they want to make yani, a, uh, they want to have a shower. They come back from work and they're sweating, they're dirty, whatever. And they get in, they say, I'm going to have a ghusl now. When they've virtually done. No, no. You come in from the beginning with an intention that I'm doing ghusl for X. So I'm doing ghusl because I'm impure, or I had a wet dream, or I had relations, or I'm coming back from menstruation, or I'm coming back from X or Y. That ghusl intention is obligatory and has to be there from the very, very beginning. So the same for any act of ablution. And then you can see the order of the actions. The full, complete wudu would be to say to yourself, not verbally, I'm making wudu. Then you say, Bismillah. Then you wash your hands three times. Then wash your hands up to your palms three times. Then you'll get water into your mouth and you will try to do both at the same time to save water. So, and you will see as in the next part that all of this is done with one mud, which is one handful. Two, two handfuls like this is called one handful like this. And a ghusl, a complete shower, this is sunnah, it's permissible to use more water, but the sunnah is to use just one. And you, you will see in the videos when you go to resources that I did that and I showed you how to do that uh, from a bottle and so on and so forth. And to bathe, to do the ghusl in a sa'a of water, which is four of these. Arba'at amdad. Okay? Four of these handfuls, which obviously sounds really, really a little, but if a person is in that scenario, it's plenty. And a person's in that scenario, they just need to, yani, uh, like I said, ghusl, its primary function is not to make you physically clean. That's the big mistake people think that I need to go and do ghusl of wash my body. No, ghusl is to make yourself ritually clean. So maybe that you've had a wet dream, for example, you're not fo- focused, you're not fussed about shower gel and shampoo and ex- you're, make, you're making sure that all of your body is wet. You know what I'm trying to say? That's the, 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 the focus. Anyway, gargling water in the mouth three, three times, madmada, madmada is called, istinshaq is when you sniff the water into your nose as well, this is all the complete one, washing the face from the top of the hairline to the forehead to the edge of the uh, ears, not the ears included, and down then including the jawbone all the way, and as I said, the water yani, must go and touch underneath the skin with those with the beard, and it is sunnah also to then take it through and go like that as well. The hands must then be washed according to up to the elbow. 
Number one, must include the elbow, must include the fingers as well. Okay, you might think, I've washed my hands already, so they don't focus, and they only focus from the wrist to the elbow. Mistake, you've got to wash the whole arm, including three times. And you do it with a bit of a massage and rubbing. That is also part of the sunnah, it's called delk. And you'll do that. And then you will wipe over the, the, the head, and the complete wiping is obviously from the front and then to the back. That's a complete one. And then the ears, fingers into the ears, and then go around with your thumbs completely. Remember, this is a complete wudu, sunnah. Then right foot, wash up to the ankle, including the ankle, and then go through the toes, and then the left. And that is something which is the complete, complete uh, uh, wudu. But however, let's say a person had very little time and tiny bit of water. The only thing that a person needs to do is bam, make the intention for wudu, just go straight to the face, wash it once. Don't even need to wash your hands at the beginning. Don't need to wash anything else. Wash the face. If you don't have time or water, you don't need to clean your nose. Nose, of course, small finger left. You need to, to clean it. Sunnah. So just once you need to wash the face. And if you've got a bed, make sure that it got, it got through. And that's only a tiny amount of water. Remember, water, when we say wash, it means that there's water that can flow on the skin. That doesn't mean huge dripping water. It just means, for example, literally that tiny amount. You just put a little bit there. Just so that you know, if I were just to squeeze that tiny bit and it would now start to drop down and I was to get this and I start rubbing it around, that's sufficient. So from this, if I was just to literally just to tab myself with this four or five times like this and then put that down and start rubbing that around me, that would suffice for washing. And likewise with the arm. If I was to, you know, have holes or something in this and I would do that like this at some key points. So I've got now five wet patches of actual water drops. Then I rub it. This is what's called washing. Okay, that's what's called washing. So wash the face once, and then the arm once up until the finger, okay, above the elbow, one, and then two, and then wipe the head with the ears included, and that would be sufficient just to do one wipe. You wouldn't need to go yani twice, and you wouldn't need to do all the full hair. For a female, it's good yani to do the hair like this, all right? But you've got a little bit of water, you're only doing obligations, so just one. And then the ear wiping is just this, that's sufficient. Just to go into the ears, the thakab, yani just straight in if you're going by minimums. And then wash the feet and then maintaining the order. Just a quick one on socks. You can wipe over socks, but they've got to be proper socks, not going to be women's tights. Okay? It doesn't matter if they've got holes, it doesn't matter if they're thin, as long as it's a sock. Right? But a tight is not acceptable because that's just basically nothing. All right? If it's got holes, cuts, not a problem. How long do you have if you are in a normal working home yani, you know, scenario, you have 24 hours of wiping. How does it get activated? You wash your foot in wudu, you put your sock on. And then the next time you break wudu, all right, the next time you break wudu, your 24-hour period starts. The next time you want to make wudu, as long as you haven't taken the sock off in all this entire period of time, then you will simply just wipe over that sock as opposed to washing over the feet. This 24-hour period is... The how it's activated for the one who's at home and the one who's traveling, he has 72 hours. Simple as that, okay? A person can, a person can also uh, wipe over a turban and a person can also wipe over a hijab. All right, so if a person has a turban, they do not need to take it off if they're making wudu and they can, a woman can also wipe over uh, her hijab. Uh, yes, it's something that should be minimized in general, but I don't want anyone to think that this is not a ruling which is applicable. It is. It can be utilized at any time. That's enough about that. Nullifiers of wudu, just talking about certain acts that require wudu. 
touching the mushaf according to the majority of scholars, even though my personal opinion is that there are some, yani, it's, it's possible to move with it and use it yani, in a way. But you should generally avoid touching the Quran if you don't have wudu. Obviously, salah is completely impermissible. I've just mentioned there that tawaf is permissible without wudu. That is a position that's held by scholars and it's our class position as well. By the way, when you're looking at these notes and you see this kind of color and you see the, the, the you know, that is a class position which goes against the Hanbali madhab. All right, just so that you know for your own, uh, uh, um, for your own benefit. When it comes to whether you think you've broken your wudu or not, you've got to be certain. Just thinking you've broken it does not break your wudu. If you're not sure, you're still in wudu. Now, as simple as that, okay? If you're not sure, you're still in wudu. How do you break your wudu? Anything which comes out of the anus or the urethra, okay? That means that something which comes out of the vagina itself does not mean it's come out of the urethra. And that's very important because when you have vaginal discharge, we do not consider. My ruling is that it is not impure and it does not break the wudu. A very common problem, of course. And that's one of the main reasons is because we believe it does not come out of the urethra itself. Okay, that's one of the reasons. Any amount of urine feces from these two or any other parts of the body that will lead to the necessity of ablution. Okay, if you go to sleep, proper sleep, then that also is something that requires wudu. Just, and proper sleep is what? Proper sleep is proper sleep. It's proper lying down, relaxed, snoring. You're sitting cross-legged up and you're just you know, doing all that behavior. That does not break your wudu. You're sitting in chair in a car and you're just doing the old behavior. Da, 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 da. And even if you lose consciousness in that kind of concept, in that kind of state, this is not deep sleep. Deep sleep is yani, when you're properly asleep. Not yani, those momentary kind of things that, you know, what's happened, I heard something, what, who. This is not yani, that which breaks the wudu. And the following things there as well. Eating camel meat, by the way, is a position of the Hanbali madhab, not my position. And it's a, one of the unique things for the Hanbali madhab, that if you eat camel meat, then you need to then make wudu, but not according to the three imams and not according to us either. Um, I just want to quickly talk about ghusl. Ghusl has some sunnah as well, including wudu. But in principle, ghusl is straightforward. Just have to have the intention for ghusl and to make sure your body becomes wet. So, theoretically, if you go to a swimming pool and you say, you know what, I'm going to do ghusl, but I'm too lazy to do a shower afterwards, then just have the intention for ghusl, just jump in, that's it. No need to say anything, and that's it. Your body will get wet, unless you've got some kind of crazy lacquer behavior on that's yeah, stopping water. Does that happen? Where are your ones? They stop you... <laughs> I don't know. I just heard Yanni that they're so tight that they don't get water. <laughs> but as long as water gets there, right, and you can make sure that your whole body is covered in water, then it is fine. Um, it is, according to the Hanbalis, it is a sunnah to make wudu when you uh, wash a uh, dead body. But I have, uh, you know, uh, my doubts about that. My position is that it's not, not the case. And also, I do not even believe that it's sunnah to make wudu in other scenarios, such as, for example, if you lose your mind or you become conscious after being in a state of unconsciousness as well. Um, ghusl, for example, which is obligatory, is when, when it happens after intercourse, after any foreplay or anything like that, or any sexual kind of activity that leads to emission of sexual fluids and a wet a dream as well. Because what obligates ghusl is not just the coming together of the, of the private parts, uh, and feeling and so on, but it's the emission. And the emission of sperm is the key, okay? Emission of everything else does not obligate ghusl. So madhi, prostatic fluid, and all this pre-seminal fluid, yani what we call yani madhi and wadi, these do not obligate ghusl, but they are impure substances. This is the irony. 
So if this is in your underwear or underpants, it needs to be completely washed off. Whereas sperm itself, it can just be scratched away. It does not need to actually be cleaned yani fully because it is pure. But ironically, if the sperm comes out, you have to make a ghusl. Whereas if the madhi and the wadi came out, all you need to do is istinja. Okay? Just to clean your private parts and then make uh, wudu. Alright? And uh, just one point there about new Muslims. New Muslims are not obligated to make ghusl. You might say, well, what's the point? There is a point. If a, Muslim, if a new Muslim becomes Muslim at, I don't know, what time? A sunrise. Yeah? And if he becomes Muslim at sunrise, and, you know, uh, someone might say, you have to make ghusl. Right? I'm just checking a hypothetical scenario out there. And the truth is, is that if it's summertime, asr is what time? Five? Start time, man, proper. Don't give me no yani, 9 o'clock, my boss. 5.30. So Asr is 5.30, yes? And my man becomes Muslim at sunrise, okay? We don't need to make this guy do ghusl or, or anything like that or whatever. Just wudu for the prayer at until dhuhr time. We don't need to make him yani, say, you need to make ghusl right now because you're dirty or whatever, whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Okay? People do do that though. And I'm not saying that it's not a good thing, because ghusl is a good thing anyway. Remember, ghusl again, we're not cleaning the guy. You might be cleaning them, all you packs put together, right? You know, they sometimes shower a lot, isn't it? No. No, they do, yara. They do, not custom, they do. No, no, I used to get bamboozled at Gwari. I used to say, I used to say, I only make a shower once a week, yeah? And this Gwari used to be showering every day, every morning, every evening. Not now, by the way, when I was a young, young lad. Yeah, when I was working, working with that. Huh? No, no. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Tell me that they didn't get killed out on the camera. Oh, so good. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. What the heck? Anyway, so um, that's that. Okay, Tiyamum. Tiyamum is straightforward. If you don't have any water, okay, or as that fourth column says, the water that you have is essential for you to live and you can't, or you can't afford it, or it's absolutely, you know, whatever. It's too difficult for you to find water. Not just a case of, oh, you know what, the water is such a mission to get or whatever. No, it's got to be a real impossibility. Then tayammum comes into play. And tayammum is valid even if the water starts afterwards and you've prayed with that tayammum prayer. You do not need to repeat the prayer. And how is tayammum done? It's a strike on the ground, ideally on the ground. And all of the ground is going to work because this doesn't need to be earth. It's anything which gives dust. Even to an extent like this wall here, it has its own natural dust as well. So in the absence of a proper you know, behavior, then you can use that... Uh, two, and then you will wipe the face and you will wipe the hands. And that's it, you are in tayammum. Yeah, I have an intention for tayammum, of course, and the word bismillah before it, uh, two. I don't need to talk any more about that. Removal of najasa, I just want, I, I mentioned that before, that um, as long as it can be removed, then anything can be used to remove it. Why do I say that? Because there are certain ideas that, you know, um, putting in, a put, where does this idea come, where is this, where, where is this discussion coming from? Washing machine. Okay, if you believe that you've got to do certain number of washings on a certain cloth before you can use it because it had some urine on it, and I say to you, don't worry about it, stick it in the washing machine, and that's fine, then that's going against the classic fiqhi position because they want to see this you know, gradual kind of removal of filth. I'm saying it's okay. Whatever gets rid of filth and any sign of or any perceivable sign of filth, then that's fine. Stick in the washing machine, uh, not a uh, problem. Um, and then a few things there which are pure, but I've already spoken about that already. Menstruation is a big thing, okay? And we did a lot 
I've got actually a video on this Facebook page that you're watching now on Facebook, there's a, 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 which I did a lot of Q&A on menstruation, and there's a huge section on the portal, and there are notes there. But put simply, menstruation is whatever you work out to be, to be your menstrual cycle for a small period of time, okay, which is a number of days, which is quite common to either women of your racial or ethnic background, and maybe your family, and uh, your genes are involved, and you can find that, and this chapter, Biani, sometimes is more confusing for the people who start first time, and they're trying to work out what is their actual length. And you should use the women in your family to give you a rough idea. And menstruation has a very specific number of characteristics. It is a heavier kind of blood. It's a darker type of blood. It smells yani, more pungent than normal blood. It doesn't look as fresh. It's not as red. It's browner. And it is sometimes associated with pain and inflammation. These are the signs that you're looking for. Likewise, when that is happening, it ends with normally a white discharge or a gradual deg- uh, reduction in bleeding and an increase in normal symptoms and flushing and so on and so forth. These are the things that you're looking for. Now, this is important because istihada, which is irregular vaginal bleeding or continual bleeding, is a very common reality, and it stops many women from doing their acts of ibadah. That's why it's important for you to have confidence to know that once my menstrual cycle period of time, which is normally always seven days, is over, then I need to ignore this rest of this bleeding. And this ignoring takes a lot of willpower, but once you get used to it, then you're into the game. And in terms of wudu and ghusl for the person who is having irregular bleeding, then the ruling for that is the same as a person who is incontinence or some other kind of yani, excessive flatulence, which happens because of IBS or whatever. These are medical problems. And in my opinion, unlike the opinion of the majority of scholars, one does not need to make istinja or ghusl or wudu uh, for them each time. In actual fact, I do not obligate ghusl or istinja at all for any istihada unless you yourself go to the bathroom or to the toilet, or go to sleep, i.e. you actively break your wudu, then you will need to make, istin- uh, you, you, you actively break your purity, whatever it is, whether by intercourse, or by going to sleep, or going to toilet, you need to then make the ghusl or wudu appropriately. But do I want a woman who is already just naturally, or a male who has incontinence, or whatever, to be just making yani wudu ghusl continuously because of what's happening to their body involuntarily? No. No. Is that clear? Okay. And I have an article on that. You can check that online and you can find that as well. Nifas, which is postpartum bleeding after you give uh, birth to a child, has the same ruling as menstrual blood. Once it clears up, then it's over. There's no minimum, no maximum period either. Then Salah itself. And now everything that you've seen so far is just to be allowing us to actually be given the right to pray. And we need to define who the prayer is obligatory upon. And it's obligatory upon every single person who is legally responsible, meaning that they are aware of themselves, they know what life's about, they know that they're not insane and so on, they have full sanity, full yani control over their senses, and they are not menstruating, they don't have a legal excuse. So menstruating or nifas, postpartum bleeding, is something which is not that. A person who has missed their prayers for a long time, in my opinion, they do not need to make up those prayers, especially when it's from a, 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 a past life, a past yani way of life, when they were not practicing. But prayers that are missed whilst practicing and being aware of the prayer in the immediate vicinity, they have to be made up. So if you remember that I didn't pray yesterday morning, or I didn't pray yani last week, these have to be made up. The only time that that wouldn't happen is, for example, if you're in an operation and you lost consciousness or, or consciousness or you're in a coma for days upon days, then that is a prayer which is not made up because you are not held accountable for the prayer during that period where you effectively weren't even there. It's like you weren't even existing. So there's no prayer to be put upon you uh, at all. Children 
Okay, we discussed that a lot, and obviously protect this house as a class is where I really go into that. That's more psychology and a, and a social uh, a strategy for children. Prayer only becomes obligatory upon puberty, okay, whether male or female. There's no such thing as an age. So when you see the hadith about 7 and 10, this is just all preparatory work. So 7 is about getting people into habit. 10 is making sure that when they now understand fully that you're going to discipline them if they're messing about. But their prayer is not obligatory until they're 13, 15, whatever time puberty actually occurs and it is clear. When it comes to prayers, you are not allowed to delay a prayer from its time unless you have intended that I'm going to combine that prayer. So you can't just say, right, you know, I'm just going to ignore dhuhr and whatever. And then in asr time, like at six o'clock say, ah, you know what, I didn't pray dhuhr, but that's okay, I'm going to combine it with asr, which is now. No, you have to in the dhuhr time actively say that, okay, you know what, I can't make this prayer for whatever reason, or I have an excuse, I'm traveling, I'm, uh, it's raining very hard, I'm far away, I can't pray, uh, you know, whatever. I need to combine this prayer, so I'm not going to pray now in this time, I'm going to pray in the next time. So you have to do that. You can't just keep delaying prayers out of their actual time. And a person who doesn't pray is in a very serious state, and the majority of scholars used to consider this person is in a state of kufr. I should say the majority of the companions rather. The majority of the scholars said that this person is doing a huge state of haram and that they are to be given a death penalty if they refuse to pray when they've been warned and warned and warned again and again and again and again. It doesn't matter. These are minutiae that we can disagree over. The key point is that it is so essential to pray that is beyond belief. But you are not a kafir for missing your odd prayer here and there or for being a Jummah Muslim or Eid Muslim or whatever phrase we use these days, all right? It doesn't matter. This person has not become kafir. These people are very, very, yani, in very precarious scenarios with respect to their faith, but not uh, kuffar. However, a person comes around and says, I don't need to pray, or you pray and I don't need to pray, and all this kind of stupidity, that is a major problem because that person is denying the obligation of that person needing to pray, and that is then going into the realm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's law and theology, and that's kufr. We don't ever want to be considering that. Um, I don't want to go into the chapter of the Adhan because I've covered that in a couple of videos, short videos. Go into the prophetic guidance page that you've seen uh, on Facebook and the rest of you know it's on the forum anyway. And you'll see five-minute videos that summarize the Adhan. Put simply, you repeat everything after the Mu'adhan. Except when he says the 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 hay alatain, which is hay ala salah, hay ala salah, hay ala fulah, hay ala fulah. In that scenario, you do not repeat what he says, but rather you say la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. When the adhan finishes, there's an order of actions which are a great benefit to you. First of all, you send salam upon the Prophet ﷺ by saying the Durud Sharif or Salawat Ibrahimiyah, which is Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad to the end. And then you make the dua that the Prophet ﷺ wanted you to make for him so that he can make shafa'ah for you, which is Allahumma rabba hadhihi da'wati tamma wa salati al-qa'ima aati Muhammadin al-wasila wal-fadila wa ba'atu maqaman mahmooda alladhi wa'adta. And that is yani, what you should say. And then third, you make a dua for yourself, which is a sunnah and something which you are obviously benefiting because you will get what you ask for. The adhan itself has a number of interesting things, but you can go and check that in the section. The next big section of the last uh, uh, year then was the conditions of the prayer with respect to time. And the prayer is only valid in its right time. So for the prayer to be established, you need to be ready. And you being ready means that you are internally pure from hadith. We spoke about that. You are physically pure from najasa. We spoke about that. Your area that you pray in, obviously got to be pure. And we're going to come to this year, direction, qibla, this, that. Your clothes, you've got to have those on. We're going to cover that in a few seconds. And the time for the prayer must have entered. So what are the times for the prayer? Dhuhr enters once the sun starts to set. The sun 
setting is not what you think, which is sun setting on a horizon, but rather setting from its high point. Because the sun, as you know, it goes to it reaches a high point, the zenith at the meridian, and that's the only what we call midday. At that midday point, when it goes to its highest point, then it starts to then go down, and the shadow starts to go to the opposite side, and it starts to lengthen. Zohar has kicked in. That's its start point. Its end point is a matter of difference, but we will say that once a thing has a shadow which is equal to it, at plus a little bit that was there at the, at, the, at the first point, then that is when Asr starts. That's when Asr starts. According to Abu Hanifa, it is two times the length of your shadow. Famous difference we know. Until Maghrib. Maghrib is when the sun has completely set. When the sun is setting, it is a haram time to pray. Haram time to pray also when the sun is at its highest point. That's why it's haram then until it starts to move. That's when Dhuhr kicks in. But before Dhuhr, Zawal time, haram to pray. Sun setting, ghurub shams haram to pray. These are the, the dominant moments of the sun, which is key pagan moments. So these are haram to pray. So when the sun is coming down, 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 it is impermissible to pray. However, I'll say right now, if a person has not prayed their asr prayer, it is allowed for them to quickly pray at that moment because they have no other choice. Maghrib starts when the sun's disk disappears. And that sun's disk disappears, and then darkness starts to set in. And darkness starts to set in by redness disappearing, and then whiteness disappearing. When the redness in the sky disappears, Isha starts. According to Abu Hanifa, the whiteness has to disappear as well, which is why traditional Hanafis that no one, of course, today is, they would pray their, their, uh, their Isha prayer much later. However, everyone prays their Isha prayer quite early, an hour and a half after, hour 40 minutes, which means that everyone, which we know, the two companions of Abu Hanifa, as well as the three Imams, they all said that when the redness disappears, which is when basic darkness, that's when Isha kicks in. Okay? And Isha lasts, according to two positions, either until Fajr, which is a risky position, or until midnight. And midnight is not 12 o'clock. Midnight is the mid of the night. Night starts at the Maghrib time, ends at Fajr, not sunrise, Fajr. Okay, so you take the midpoint of that. What is sunrise? What is midnight now? What's Fajr there? Five forty. What's midnight? <coughs> no. Huh? What's midnight? <laughs> How much time? <laughs> About twelve twenty something, isn't it? <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> twelve twenty. Yeah, where's the chocolate here? <laughs> oh, stuff from Allah. Are we keeping <laughs> this? What when we? What, 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 what? <laughs> no, no, no. The legit ones, yeah. Why do I haven't even looked inside? One second, one second. Oh, yeah. That can just go right back into the bag. Okay. It's a haji chocolates, yara. Haji mubarak. You see what we do? We look after you. Look at it. Huh? What happened to half 12, you pack? 11.45 and this, that, order. Oh, yes. Even more legit chocolates. Zakalakha. That will go straight into the bag right there. Really, yeah? Conditional. No, conditional. Conditional chocolates, I always yani, get dealt with at the end. As for chocolates at the beginning, which one do we give to the girls and which one do we give to us? Why? Was it the lady who was like, no prayers? <laughs> <laughs> what was that she said, Salim? <laughs> Can you just repeat that again? What are you asking Zafar for? <laughs> what are you asking Zafar for? Why are you bidnaming him for? Tell us the, 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 the adverts you used to watch and imagine that you're the James Bond guy. Yeah? Is that, you know what he used to go? He used to put that jacket on. He used to carry that card. And he used to... Is it what? 
It wasn't Milk Tree. No, that was Galaxy Moon. No, it wasn't. Milk Tree is a different one. <laughs> What's the advert he's talking about? The guy? All because the lady loves Milk Tree. All because the lady loves Milk Tree. Shazada. Okay, then, ladies, you can have Milk Tree. There you go. You see how we are? That's all Shazada's yani, PR and generosity. And we'll get dumped yani, with this, yani, whatever. Or rather, I should say, you guys will get... <laughs> No, no, what, 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 I just shouted for literally, I've just covered four and a half years and just given up of the last year, basically, right? And now I'm going to be defeated I'll, by. I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, I know you will do that, yeah. You won't. Okay, because there are some nice ones in here that I just want to take out. The what? Dates? What are you talking about, yeah? <laughs> just one second. <laughs> just don't disturb me while I'm busy. Right. Okay, there we go. Pass that, pass that around, yeah. Right, okay. So, uh, okay, what else do I want to talk about? Fajr, yeah, Fajr starts when the light in the sky, the dawn, is on the horizon, not in the sky. That's called the true dawn. The one in the middle of the sky like this is a fake dawn, false dawn. Whereas this one, yeah, and as soon as the light appears on the horizon, that's true dawn. And we are in. We are in. Okay. Um, yep, yep. No. What, what time was it? Quarter to 12. Why is it that we got 45 minutes between the king of maths? Okay. And Yani, 11.45, the queen of... I don't know what the queen of the Almari is. I don't know what it is. What is it? Go on. Exactly. It's 10 hours. From half past 7 till 5.40 is 10 hours, right? Yeah. So half is 5. Add it to 7. Yeah, 7.30 is Maghrib. Yeah, 7.30 Maghrib. Add 5 hours. Add 5 hours of a 10-hour night. Okay? Right. Okay. Catching the prayer. This, now we're talking about running out of time. So we're running out of time. How do we get the prayer? We've just got to make sure that we get one raka'ah in. Alright? In the time. So maybe, for example, sunrise. What time is sunrise? 6.35. It? 6.40. It's 6.40 sunrise. 6.35 you wake up. Heart attack. Oh my God. Leg it to the bathroom. Right? Literally two minute wudu. Leg it onto the musallah. And then you've got three minutes. You know you ain't got a chance. Probably every pack has got a chance, but proper banda, yani, asli banda, he's not got a chance to get this prayer done. Yeah? So, what is the minimum that he has to do or she has to do to be able to say, I caught the prayer and then can carry on relaxed as per normal as the rest of the uh, time and the sunrise occurs? He's got to do one raka'ah. There's a lot of discussion about this. Our class position, got to do one raka'ah. What is one raka'ah? What is one unit? It is to say Allahu Akbar, takbiratul ihram, recite the Fatiha. No need for surah. Go into ruku'ah. Okay? Not even have to spend a lot of time in ruku'ah. Yani to say Subhan Rabbi al-Azim is absolutely su- sufficient. Then go into the first sajda and come back up and the second sajda and then say Subhan Rabbi al-A'la once. This according to the text, is what is the minimum which is required for, raka, uh, for one raka'ah. My position is that I would like you to lift your head up and be on the way back up again. To have completed the sajda and be on the way back up. 
This for me is one raka'ah. Keep that in mind. This applies whether you're trying to catch it in time. Any prayer that you're trying to get in before the next prayer starts. If you miss a prayer and you are running out of time to do it, you only look at, you know, for example, uh, 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 you've missed Dhuhr and Asr. Yes? You've got to make those prayers up. It's Maghrib time now. So you would you pray Dhuhr, pray Asr, pray Maghrib. However, there is an exception. If Maghrib is about to expire, you didn't give it to my uncle over there. What, what, what kind of useless bandai are you? Kasme. Unbelievable. So then, you have to look at the time for Maghrib. And if Maghrib is going to expire, then what happens? Maghrib gets first, then Dhuhr and Asr in that order. Tina, can you just stop being so greedy? And Yani, we showed karam towards you, and this is the problem. You give a penny, they take a pound. Yani, what you should have done is taken Yani and said, Oh, that's so nice of you that you did the milk tray, and lady loves milk tray, and blah, blah, blah. And you should have given it back. Yeah? Go on, we'll also show karam. Yeah, no problem. Pass them, yani, pass them all the lame ones that are left. Yeah, uh, push underneath. Well done. Yeah, bismillah. Right, what's happening? Are we done? <laughs> yeah, you're done, right? You got all the Mars, yeah. Right, okay, and the only final thing then is to do with the aura, everybody. So this is the last five minutes then talking about aura. Aura are those areas of the skin that must be covered. And it differs between a male and a female. For the male, and we're not talking about honor and respect and integrity. We're talking about minimum areas of nakedness that must be covered. Obligatorily. Okay, obligatorily? Obligatorily. Obligatorily. Okay, I'll have you know. All right? Because you just gave me those eyes and you put any weakness in my, in my confidence of my English language. So... For a male, it's between the navel until basically the bottom of the thigh. Yes, majority of scholars would have you put it to the knee and cover the knee and there's no doubt that that's safer. But if we're talking bare, bare minimum and you're putting me on the spot and you're saying to me, May and I are playing and Real Madrid in the final, I'm telling you that that thigh is alright. Especially with the lycra. Oh, you mean pure lycra? No, that's haram. You can't be looking at a person's yani thingy. Under the shorts. It's covered then, isn't it? Now that's okay, huh? You got shorts and lycra underneath. The lycra's longer than the shorts. That's isn't it? Yeah. No, Sanchez yani haram for his. Sanchez yani his whole leg is aura. Sanchez, we spoke about, I don't know if you guys missed the lessons on Sanchez. He's weird, you know that? Customer, flipping weird he is. Yeah, he walks around, he pulls his bloody shorts up, and he shows. Have you seen it? Yeah, like he wedges himself. <laughs> he literally wedges himself. He's such an idiot. I don't understand it. And Ronaldo does the same thing. He's you know tart as well, isn't he? He's showing off his thighs and stuff. Haram. Anyway, so the top of the knee is where you're talking about minimum for the male, and for the female, her entire body except her face, her hands, and her feet. All right. This is for the prayer. We are not talking about walking down the street. We are talking about the prayer. Because for a woman, there's a major discussion about the feet. Okay? And we don't want to get into that now. So, in the prayer, the rest of the body should be covered. So yes, that means that a person, a male, could theoretically pray in a big bath towel. However, it is yani, required more and more, especially for men and women, yani, in, when they're praying in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to cover as much of the body as possible. 
So not just one shoulder, as the hadith says. Not just two shoulders, but then, yani not just short sleeves, but not just t-shirts, but not just tight clothes, but just baggy and hats and this and that. As much as you can possibly put on for a male and a female, you are respecting the prayer. Because as every culture has established over history, more clothes it, uh, signifies more wealth, more respect, more honor. And minimal clothes is a sign of a defeated and humiliated... No, no, this is being recorded. It's obviously in the West, it's yani, freedom and amazingness and development and, and, and beauty. Beauty, of course. And it, we wouldn't have them any other way. Yeah, and they're not to blame for anything or anything. Right. What else? And are we done? Oh, and when you're wearing clothes, don't wear silly clothes. And don't yani, cover your mouth and your this and that, whatever. And don't yani, you know, try to you know, make out that you're something special and your clothes are very expensive. And I, I don't want to allow it to fall on the floor and then we fold it up to protect it and so on and so forth. All of this yani, falls into prohibition. It's the same reason, same hadith that talk about hair and whatever. Again, the lessons have lots of detail in that. In terms of things on your clothes, okay, males and females uh, obviously are different. A male, a female can have gold, silver, silk, everything. A male cannot have gold, male cannot have silk, and so on, unless there's medical reasons or emergency reasons or something desperate, or it's lacing, or it's just borders or embroidery, and so on. Likewise, shapes and, and things. Things which distract in a mega way should not be used. However, and faces are generally not Require, not, not yani, allowed. However, my position is, is that if the face or the animate object is very small and the face is difficult to make out and it's like, you know, these Lacoste signs and Kappa and all this that where it's just silhouettes and whatever, it is permissible to wear those. However, it's safer to cover them up uh, in general. Um, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is... Don't tell me it's not. No, Kappa. Kappa has an outline of a man and a woman. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah, they're married, man. <laughs> I know. I was always said, Yanni, my parents always said to me that when you see man and woman, never think that they're illegal. Either think they're brother or sister, or they're married. They are married. Only people, and not only are they married, they just got married as well. You can tell because only newlyweds are that stupid to sit against each other like that. Do you know what I mean? Who else would literally lean against each other and think that's a romantic pose? Don't you still do that as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? One guy's leaning against the other one, other one's leaning against the other one. It's a pure like Ajib pose. <laughs> no, no. Brothers can do it. The lads, yeah, we do it yeah, because we're tired and we want to lean against each other. I, I'm not going to lie. Me and Usman do that. Yeah? Okay, I know it's weird. All right? But I'm just putting it out there. We do it because we get tired. You know, I'm, 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 I'm old guy now. Yeah? Okay? I, my body's gone through a lot. Okay? Big time. And I have to rest on people. people. Does that answer the question? Or are you going to say... No, just because you said it was two men, so I thought maybe you didn't know and that's why you were saying it's two men. That's what you said in the notes in the previous... Say, Qasim, that I said that. You said it's two men. Oh, sugar, did I say that? Are they gay? <laughs> it's Kappa gay. It's, right. it's definitely it's a man and a woman. It's a man and a woman. Male? Is it well, you've been looking a bit too much, bro. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying it's a man and a woman. I think it's a husband and wife. I think it's halal. Okay. I mean, you know, kappa's old. Kappa's my day. We used to wear kappa like back in the day. There's people online here watching here from God knows where. They're thinking, what the heck is kappa? Oh, you brought kappa up. Come on, that's a man and a woman, bro. That's a couple. They are married like, like three, four days married. 
They're arguing, yeah. There's a definitely, a, yeah, definitely newlyweds. Look, five they've days. literally had enough. Five days. In. Five days. In. Five days in. They've literally had enough. Yeah. Look. How did you miss that woman on the right, by the way? No, I'm saying it's the woman you said it was too late. Oh, don't say that. Yeah, I swear it's in the middle. Oh, sugar. I won't. You know what it is? Are you sure I said that? And you're just, and this isn't just, and this just isn't revenge for 40 minutes, 40 seconds, yeah, and you're all thinking, because you know you don't want to go there, right? Because you know you don't want to go there, right? Yeah, okay, khalas, then. Good. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a wrap. Zakumullah khair. Everyone who has taken that for the first time, realize that it's never going to be that summarized ever again. It's going to be very, very, very slow, very, very detailed. Anyone who wants notes, Everything that I covered today, the detail is on the portal. Next week, we will start it everything proper. When you see the portal, when you click on the notes, you will see the text notes. And then you also have an opportunity, if you like, Yanni, online to write. But you can you know, write your notes yourself as well. Uh, final notices. Ilmfest, Ilmfest, Ilmfest. Okay. Uh, Manchester and London, November 4th and 5th. Do not miss it. Birmingham, I'm teaching Fitna. Bristol, I'm teaching Fitna. Sheffield, I'm teaching Protect This House. Toronto, next week, Fitna. Windsor, Fitna. Uh, Sweden, something God knows what. Fikasala, I think. I think, okay. All of these in the next three, four weeks. Blessed Voyage, Umrah is filling up quickly. That's the 21st of December. Luxury family, Yani program, program. And Umrah Easter is something which will open next week, and that's going to be limited in places, and definitely half of people are going to go from Manchester, definitely, and half from London. Um, what else am I missing? Ilmfest. Um, Ilmfest. Uh, Ilmfest is early bird price of? 15 pounds, 15 pounds which ends? Next, next, next week or something. Okay, so go to ilmfest.com. Is it not uh, on, uh, online only purchasing? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Umfest on, online only. No ticket agents. Bloody blah, blah, blah. So go on before next week before it gets expensive. Uh, what else? What else? Anything? Next week nine twenty. The time's going to reduce. Everybody, the time's going to reduce every week nine twenty. Then nine, and then whatever. Uh, 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 likewise, throughout October until it settles to eight twenty. It will always then be eight twenty UK time. 8 p.m. for people who come here into local masjid. Jazakumullah khair. Pleasure to see you all. Thank you very much. Nice to see you. See you. Nice. Miskeen passed away. I missed it when I was on Hajj. Miskeen. And Allah Ta'ala. Subhanakallah. Bihamdika. Shadu Allah. Ilaha ilaha. Astaghfirullah. Wa atubu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Rahmatullah. Barakatuh. Don't tell me the scores. I'm going home to watch it. Don't you dare tell me anything. That's one minute. One hour. Twenty minutes. Eight minutes. Amazing job. Thank you. Huh? Thank you. See you later, boys.